We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a Hollywood acceptance speech. I'm so surprised. I had no idea. I'm not even prepared. Um, okay. <clears throat> I'd like to thank the progressive discounts that got me here. Safe driver, multi-car, paid in full multi-policy. This is just such a big moment. And did I mention that I'm surprised? With all kinds of discounts, Progressive helps you save. Oh, oh, oh. and I want to thank my agent and all my discounts agents because we all have the same agent. Don't start the music! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, August 25th. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today, as always, on Tuesdays by Eric Katuria. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find Eric at ETCAT30. You can find myself, Jake, at Jakeski52. First things first, Eric, where were you when Jordy Nelson tore his ACL? Honestly, I was actually rolling out of bed um, in mid-afternoon Sunday. Yeah. And it was more so because uh, I, I like kind of worked late the previous night working on uh, NFL stuff for the site rather than like any, mm-hmm. you know, nefarious things or yeah. reasons. Yeah, we'll get to that in the promo <laughs> a little bit later. But uh, but no, I was I was actually here in the office. I'm usually here on Sundays and uh, just devastated. I thought Mike Doria, I think some of you guys recognize him from the podcast on Wednesdays. I thought he was just trying to mess with the in-office Packer fans when he's like, oh, Jordy Nelson tore an ACL. And then I'm like, yeah, Come right. On. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> I just quit it. This isn't funny. It's Sunday morning, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then we noticed, and then he kind of came back on that. He's like, oh, nope, that was a fake Rappaport account. Didn't happen, didn't happen. And then I was like, okay, he's not just messing around. And then man, maybe 20 minutes later, I hear the news and just, just devastating as a Packer fan, as a football fan. And I know Packer fans aren't the only ones out there hurt by this because, I mean, he's been taken in a lot of fantasy drafts. Him and Already. Calvin, yeah. Him and Calvin Benjamin are are the exact reason where I try not to draft until Labor Day, if possible. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. You on the same board there? Oh yeah. Well, uh, real quick here, the podcast. Uh, before I forget, the podcast is now available for subscription on iTunes and Stitcher. So please leave us a nice review if you happen to listening. If you happen to be listening to us on those platforms, quick rundown of what we're going to be going over today. We're going to uh, wrap the Monday night game from last night going to get to some top news and some uh, bookkeeping news and then we're going to uh, move ahead to some running back position battles in the AFC last week Eric and I if you remember correctly uh, we talked about uh, NFC running back position battles and today we're going to move on over to the other conference and pick out a few teams there that have some noteworthy injury injury battles or position battles depth chart battles just anything that affects things from a fantasy standpoint. So that's kind of the rundown for this week here. But let's start with Monday night. The Cincinnati Bengals uh, headed over to Tampa Bay, and uh, we're defeated by the Buccaneers 25-11, to evening both preseason uh, records there on each of those teams, 2-1-1, one, and one, so an even 500 in the preseason, as if that truly matters here. I'm going to start on the Tampa Bay side, though, with what does matter, and uh, that's rookie quarterback Jameis Winston. He went 8 for 13 on the night, threw for 90 yards, only 6.9 yards per attempt, so maybe some room for improvement there. Was sacked once, no throwing touchdowns, but he did uh, log a one-yard rushing touchdown on his only rushing attempt of the season uh the tampa bay rushing attack was in full swing for this game uh they they added up 145 yards on the ground that was led by doug martin six carries 59 yards uh with an impressive 9.8 average uh then followed by mike james nine carries 39 yards that's 4.3 average uh dominique brown cashed 14 carries but i'm not too worried about his fantasy relevance for the upcoming year uh the other names that people know out there charles sims three carries six yards bobby rainey one carry five yards and finally no receiver outside of uh lewis murphy for the bucks was targeted uh any more than five times but uh it appears that russell shepherd led them uh in receiving with two catches for 44 yards 
one of those t- catches, uh, he actually reached the end zone on a 22-yard pass from Mike Glennon in the second quarter. Eric, on the Tampa Bay side of things, is there anything that stands out from a fantasy standpoint, or are you uh, satisfied enough with the performance of Jameis Winston? Well, I mean, I'm sad. Yeah, I'm more than satisfied with J- what Jameis is doing. He's developed decently after his pretty disastrous let's say first few series in the first preseason game mm-hmm. um i i like um uh, more than anybody i guess in this offense outside of say mike evans is doug martin he's mm-hmm. fared really well he had uh this nice game and now in the preseason he has uh 78 yards at a 7.1 yard per, per carry clip mm-hmm. which is fairly impressive obviously that's not going to translate wholeheartedly to the um regular season but I can totally see him having somewhere in the uh, range of his rookie season if he actually uh, keeps it up here. He uh, avoids uh, any health concerns. Uh, Charles Sims obviously will, uh, um, I guess, get in on the passing game yeah. a little bit, but uh, I, I don't see his carries being like um, hindered that much. Uh, the great thing going in his favor, too, he has a rookie quarterback on his side, and I think I've said this a handful of times. Uh, I think they'll kind of rely on the running game to ease Jameis into the season rather than, you know, just let him sling it and not really use the um, rushing game that much. Yeah, I'm right on board with that reasoning. I I can see very much how they'd want to do this. I didn't do this far down in the box score, but Charles Sims, you mentioned him catching passes out of the backfield. He ended up uh, hauling in two of his three targets for 15 yards. That's something to perhaps take note of there but I'm right there with you Doug Martin last year I was uh I was a little bit uh, bullish on him to be honest I thought he was going to recover from that year in which he kind of dealt with an injury there but so I took him I believe in late second early third round of a couple drafts thinking I was there and just wasn't quite ready yet but you know Mm -hmm. perhaps I'm a year too early with this and this is one of those things that you have to take into account when preparing for your fantasy football drafts is is recency bias like a lot of people will be like, oh, this player kind of screwed me over last year, so I won't touch him at all this year. And as tempting as that is for me with Doug Martin, I, I need to kind of get back on that train because I think we'll be able to get him at even more of a value than last year. For sure. I'd say, um, you know, if he falls as far as the fourth or fifth round, I think you almost have to do you have to do something like that. But, I mean, from what we've seen this preseason, now granted it's only the preseason, although Cincinnati – did have a, I mean, does have a pretty respectable run defense there. I, I have liked what I've seen so far, and it was really helped out. Uh, I, I want to mention here on on Monday night, it was really helped out by a thirty yard carry. Uh, but even outside of that, he he had five carries for twenty nine yards. That's still better than a five yard per carry average. So when you uh, look at Doug Martin and NFCC, uh, NFFC rather uh, ADP list, he's actually sitting at thirty six right now, which is you know well out of uh most range of uh starting running back range and he's also sitting among like Isaiah Crawl who we'll talk about later Duke Johnson who we'll talk about later LeGarrette yeah. Blunt so like you you can get him at a very nice spot right now um averaging 103 in the NFFC uh drafts mm-hmm. right now yeah which is uh yeah it's quite surprising overall 103rd pick overall on average and He's only five spots ahead of Charles Sims when it comes, and mm-hmm. and you know, you have to pick out a starting running back on every team, and you assume Doug Martin's the guy there. But at the same time, for him to be outside of the top 32 teams there, 
really suggest that you're taking backups before him, which I absolutely don't believe is the case uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of formats. So maybe I was a bit right. of a stretch uh, saying third, fourth round, uh, or I'm sorry, fourth or fifth round based on what the ADP numbers say. And that's another big thing with fantasy. You want to balance where you have them ranked with where their ADP is so you're not stretching too much when you could be getting a, a more consistent player there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to move over to the Bengals' side of the box score. Uh, the quarterback play, A.J. McCarron, of course, the backup, was actually quite efficient, 11 for 15, 97 yards. Didn't throw any touchdowns, but also avoided interceptions. On the other hand, Andy Dalton, pretty dreadful. 6 for 13, 46 yards, just 3.5 yards per attempt. That's not going to get you very far in the league. No touchdowns, but two interceptions. Andy was sacked three times. I mean, could that get any worse for Andy Dalton, or are we just kind of brushing this off the shoulders because it's the preseason? I would say you have to kind of brush it off and look at his uh, track record, but uh, it is something to keep in mind, of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. And moving down the box score here, uh, we have Jeremy Hill leading the rushing attack, which is actually pretty dismal uh, on a whole as well. Uh, only gained 42 yards on the ground as a team, 100 yards less than Tampa Bay. Jeremy Hill did lead that charge, uh, four carries for 11 yards, uh, or I'm sorry, four carries for 16 yards with a long of 11. That's 4.0 yards per carry. That'll that'll get you by in, in the league, of course, not extending. But uh, the worrisome thing there is uh, he did lose a fumble in this game. Uh, I mean, the Cincinnati offense, of course, who only scored 11 points and didn't even score till a, a last or a field goal near the end of the second quarter there they sputtered as a whole but the fumbling that's one thing where it doesn't matter if it's regular season or preseason you got to hang on to the football right Eric yeah so this isn't exactly fantasy relevant but I mean this game seemed seemed like the Bengals were playing actually in a playoff game we've seen them get in the playoffs the last few seasons and then totally flounder (laughs) under Marvin Lewis's lead so I mean you know you're not totally surprised to see something like this happened in a game that well, I mean, when it does matter, they don't do anything. But in a game that doesn't matter either, yeah, at the I same, yeah, the fumbling issues. I mean, are those a concern for you with Hill? He did fumble the ball five times and lost two of them last season. So, I mean, okay, do you um, like look at lost fumbles though when you're considering like your Abs- fantasy yeah, picks? Absolutely not. I mean, Whether it's take, lost or not, you it, just take it. And mm-hmm. I mean, if you get the minus two points, you get it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm right, <laughs> right on board week. there with you. I, I actually. Maybe I need to rethink that. In some leagues I'm the commissioner of, I I give points for lost fumbles, but it should probably just be fumbles in general. But, of course, uh, absolutely no excuse for fumbling the football in the National right. Football League. I think any head coach will tell you that. I mean, yes, the only the only thing that could happen is you lose your go- your gig. Like in New England, if you fumble, you're probably not going to carry the next week. So Yeah, you, you <laughs> might sit the rest of the game. Or the rest of the season. Yeah, Belichick, knows. yeah. I mean, what, what, Jonas Gray, after scoring four touchdowns last year, was late to a meeting and just didn't even play the entire next week. Probably threw a lot of daily people off. They're playing with their lineups on DraftKings right. there. But, again, yeah. maybe that's a little bit beside the point. But I, we mentioned uh, we're going through the uh, Cincinnati side of the box score. A.J. Green actually respectable, four targets. Uh, only caught two of them for 22 yards, 14-yard pass. Nothing really to change about his status. Uh, Tyler Eifert. Targeted three times, actually, but caught just one ball for seven yards. I'm actually really liking Eifert as a sleeper this year. Um, and then I mentioned Jeremy Hill in the fumbling before I wanted to add on. Uh, caught one of his two targets for just a small two-yard gain there. Um, Giovanni Bernard also had given two targets, uh, caught one of those for seven yards. Uh, back to the carries, Bernard 
of course, Hill's main competition if he continues to put the ball on the ground. Um, Giovanni Bernard, three carries for eight yards. So nothing really eye-opening from him. I mean, obviously Hill's the starter there. Is there anything that he could do to lose that job before the start of the regular season? Um, I mean, I guess he could continue to fumble. Well, yeah, yeah, that, uh, that, that, that would be yeah, that would be like one. the that would be the uh, key reason he doesn't hang on to that gig, or he suffers an injury. Otherwise, I think it's pl- pretty clear clear cut at this point that yep. he's the number one man. Yeah, and the uh, average draft position clearly illustrates the, the disparity. Jeremy Hill sitting at ten overall, right there with Lashawn McCoy, who we'll get to a little bit later on. Kind of. Jeremy Hill and C.J. Anderson are kind of in the same tier for me. The way I I think of those two backs in a similar manner as uh, as to what type of value they can bring forth there. And I just want a quick look at Bernard's ADP. Yeah, all the way down at 24. So uh, quite the disparity. Of course, Hill's the guy, and there's little reason. I mean, in a PPR league, there might be a spot for uh, Giovanni Bernard as a flex player on your roster. But again, maybe that's being a little bit optimistic there. Right on. Okay, so uh, that'll do it for the uh, Bengals at Buccaneers box score. Uh, we hinted at this at the start of the show, kind of when we were opening up, making a little small talk there. But uh, Jordy Nelson, of course, devastating for Packer fans, devastating for football fans across the country. Uh, it was announced uh, Monday. We just kind of want to re- reiterate that he suffered a serious knee injury, quote, and will be out for the season. So uh, Packer fans and fantasy owners that were clinging to maybe a, a poor MRI or some sort of change of uh, diagnosis there, doesn't look like it's going to happen. I know that Derek and Nick yesterday pointed out on uh, Monday's podcast that Devontae Adams will be the clear beneficiary of that. And he already has moved up in ADP a little bit from uh, from Monday to Tuesday there. And I, I, I'd imagine uh, he'll continue uh, to go along that same route. So Devontae Adams clearly on the rise, even Randall Cobb a little bit on the rise. He Randall Cobb's worked his way into the top 10 among uh, wide receivers. Of course, uh, Jordy Nelson's still in there because of previous data. But Cobb becomes a big... Uh, upside as well but outside of those guys I mean there's some rookies there's some second year players that are maybe vying for some targets uh, in the Packers offensive scheme now generally it takes a little bit of time to earn the trust of Aaron Rodgers uh, Devonta Adams didn't get it till probably mid to late of last season uh, do you think Ty Montgomery or Jeff Janis has been a, a popular name that's been thrown around lately of course tight end Richard Rodgers uh, do you think any of those guys can really uh benefit from this or do you think that on the other hand uh maybe they go out and get somebody yeah so the only guy with a tracker among these three with rogers is actually richard rogers Mm -hmm. uh you know ty montgomery is of course a rookie and jeff janice rarely played i think he was only active a few times at the down the stretch last season so yeah i think ty having said that ty montgomery it seems to be like the clear-cut guy he's worked on both outside and in the slot so far during training camp. Um, and that gives him some flexibility to be moved around in, you know, three wide formations with, uh, you know, Cobb in the slot and Devontae on the outside. So, yeah, I think he's shown somewhat or enough flexibility so far that he could uh, factor into many formations. Mm-hmm. And many, many of the uh, schemes, I guess, they're going to try it out on a weekly basis. Yeah, and uh, Ty Montgomery certainly has the speed a third-round draft pick. He's got better size than I originally thought when they drafted him. Uh, I kind of pictured him as my, in my head as like a maybe a slightly smaller burner, punt returner type guy. But the guy's six feet tall, 220 pounds, so can even be 
reasonable in the red zone. I, we upped our projections for him recently to 48 receptions for 588 yards and three touchdowns on the year. So we gave him a reasonable boost, but I mean, in the five to six hundred three touchdown range, that that doesn't do a lot uh, as far as receivers. It's a pretty crowded area, in especially in twelve team formats, he's going to be a back end option. But I know up here in Wisconsin, all these guys, uh, I mean, all these Packers are going to go early in drafts, so someone will be taking Ty Montgomery reasonably. Jeff John, Janice, I'd imagine, will go off the board as well. Yeah, we've also mentioned this in passing, and like on every podcast so far with our duo. But uh, if you do have return yardage in your league. Mm-hmm. Ty Montgomery is going to be the likely kickoff returner for the Packers this season, so that might bump him above some of those guys in the muddled mass of the, you know the 500 to 600 yards. Yeah, you could uh, even bump him into yeah fantasy relevant territory, especially yeah. the return yardage alone. That's yeah. a big thing. Now we saw we'll get to this in a second. We saw the Patriots went out and made the Reggie Wayne signing official. That was a name that had been thrown around in Packer camp quite a bit. The timing of that injury is pretty poor actually because. Reggie Wayne visited the Patriots the day that it happened. So he was there for a visit earlier in the morning. Uh, I'm sure maybe the Packers would have brought him in. Um, Before I defer over to you on this, Eric, I just want to say, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, I see a lot of Packer fans calling for Randy Moss. That's that's just a joke at this point. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I just want to put that notion to bed. I I have more confidence in our listener base than to take something like that seriously, but I don't think that that is – that is anywhere near happening. I, I just maybe he's still in football shape. Who knows? But uh, what kind of circus that would be would probably just be bad for the organization. I, I can only imagine what the Milwaukee Journal, Journal Sentinel like message board looks like today. Oh man, one of my favorite Twitter accounts. I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of people you know have their local newspapers and have seen similar accounts. But I like to follow the uh, the JS comments, the comments from uh, articles, blogs, whatnot on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, just to see the uh, the funny. Just the funny stuff that Wisconsin, gung ho, hardcore Wisconsin sports irrational fans say. Yeah, say. <laughs> irrational. Another one's, uh, I think there's a Best Fans in Baseball account. There's one about the St. Louis Cardinals that does a similar oh, type man. thing. So uh, I don't know, just something to throw out there with uh, mock Twitter accounts. Don't mean to get too far off topic there, but. Uh, you think they stick with what they have, Eric? I know you mentioned to me earlier today that uh, Packers only have three players on their roster that have played with another team, and I just it could be thinning a little bit right now. I don't think they bring in uh, just me personally. I don't think they bring in big names, but as teams start to cut down rosters and make tough wideout decisions, mm-hmm. I could see them bringing in another body based on that information. Ted Thompson's always had a knack for doing that type of thing. Yeah. So on the current Packers roster, only John Kuhn, Julius Peppers, and Latroy. Guyan have played for other organizations uh which is pretty amazing it just tells you like the uh, you know um commitment to developing players that the Packers put into their um you know process of team building yeah. uh yeah I don't see them I honestly don't see them bringing anybody in um like you said only if some veteran presence that they think would be a perfect fit is cut at the end of training camp that person might be brought in for a workout or persons, I should say, and if it happens or it seems like it'll be a fit, that then maybe then they'll add them. And also, just seeing like how Jeff Janis and mm-hmm. Ty Montgomery pan out, like the ne- the last two preseason games, if they don't show well, perhaps they'll consider you know bringing somebody in. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I know some of our RotoWire colleagues uh, 
happened to run into former Jets receiver Wayne Corbett this past weekend. I don't think his phone's still ringing for that type of thing. Oh, no, no. <laughs> not quite, Probably unfortunately. Not at like 45 All right, plus well, now. Yep. Well, speaking of veteran wide receivers here, I did allude to it earlier, but Reggie Wayne signed a one-year deal with the Patriots today. So, I mean, that wide receiver uh, group on a whole has just been ravaged by injury. Reggie Wayne, 36 years old. What I mean, what do you think he brings to this uh to this group and and how fantasy relevant can he become? I know we mentioned Randy Moss a second ago and how his career was essentially resurrected with Tom Brady and the Patriots, and it won't be Brady all year long, but Wayne's got to give him something and maybe give us some fantasy consideration. Yeah, so before the 2013 season, Reggie Wayne had only missed one game in his career. Uh, In 2013, he actually tore his ACL, missed the last nine games, and then last year he missed one more due to an elbow injury. Um, And we should note that uh, in the five seasons before uh, Peyton Manning, you know, went down with his serious injury, um, Reggie Wayne actually hauled in between 62 and 67% of the passes thrown his way. And since that point, it's ranged. It, I mean, it's scattered all over the place, 57%, 55%, 66%, and 55%. So what do you think? Do you think with – you know, a more consistent quarterback on his side, pro- pro- you know, being Brady like most of the season, mm-hmm. if not all the season, if the suspension is overturned. Uh, do, you, do you think uh, he can have a little bounce back as long as he avoids the injury bug? Yeah, he could. I mean, normally I'd pretty much, if he's not a veteran quarterback like Peyton Manning, I'd pretty much avoid drafting anybody over the age of 35. But I yeah. think this uh, this recent development, I got to update it still yet today, but I'm pretty sure I'm putting Reggie Wayne back into my top 200 all of a sudden, mm-hmm. just because uh, you know Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization have a knack for this type of thing. But just a little bit on some of the reasons why they needed to do that. Uh, Julian Edelman is dealing with an undisclosed injury. Not a whole lot of information to work with there. He was present at practice uh, this Tuesday, but really uh, mostly doing con- condi- conditioning work on the side. Excuse me. Of course, Brandon LaFell, uh, he's got a foot injury. He's still on the physically unable to perform list. Looks like, uh, I mean, of course, you're always going to have a health, or not always necessarily, I guess, especially with the guy I'm about to bring up. Uh, Danny Amendola is one of the uh, only other healthy receivers on the roster that is probably going to make an impact. Then, of course, you can't forget about guys like Rob Gronkowski, even Scott Chandler and Humanawa Nui. Uh, yeah, I think that was That's close. That's right. Yeah, that was wow. about right. Um, but even those guys... Uh, maybe some red zone targets there but I mean overall I think the competition I think I mean if Reggie Wayne can dial the clock a couple years back I think he's got more to offer than guys like Amendola or or Brandon LaFell's all right he had some pretty decent seasons there but he's got of course got to get healthy first so he's squeaking into my top 200 in fantasy drafts will I take him in a 12 teamer I guess that depends where I'm sitting at and and if I haven't maxed out the roster areas already, but it's so, worth looking at. So if you're considering uh, or looking at the pecking order, I guess, in the in uh, New England, it's clearly Gronkowski and then Edelman. After that, you know, LaFell is a step down. I think uh, that's kind of where Reggie Wayne falls into the uh, falls into place, uh, assuming, um, I guess, they don't use running backs at, like they did Shane Vereen last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, among those running backs, I guess, what do you think? Like, Traveris Cadet is probably the most able, like, pass catcher amongst um, New England's uh, running backs. Yeah, I mean, give him a shot. Of course, you can't forget about James White. He, like, yeah. he played a lot in the slot here at Wisconsin. Right. So there's something to consider there. 
Uh, I think he's, yeah, he absolutely fits that description as the pass catcher. And I think Bolden is capable too. That's what they want James White to be, of course. But uh, I guess we'll see. Um, I guess guess the key here is that uh, there are two clear-cut options for Brady or you know Jimmy Garoppolo but then after that it kind of falls off a little bit yep. and, off quite a bit and yeah there's going to be a few running backs getting into the passing passing uh game here a little bit mm-hmm. LaFell is probably going to challenge Wayne but Wayne probably will get a decent amount of targets as long as he you know is a modicum of like health all right let's play veteran wide receiver toss-up right now just out of the blue, uh, Reggie sure. Wayne or Miles Austin from Philadelphia? I'd probably go Reggie Wayne. I'm on the Reggie Wayne train. And the reason I'm just getting these names, like guys within 10, 15 spots of Reggie Wayne's current ADP, which I would imagine, right. of course, uh, will be on the rise there. Uh, I mean, Reggie Wayne, or is um, I'm trying to think here. He's right there with Terrell Pryor from the Browns, but I don't think, I honestly don't think Pryor is going to make that team there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, boy. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess I wanted to look on Wes Welker for the last thing we had on him, you know, just another very veteran wide receiver there. Welker 34, and he got cleared back in April uh, by one of the nation's leading concussion experts to continue his career. I don't think the speaking of you know veteran wide receivers that are available I don't think the Packers go there because he's too yeah. much of a slot receiver like Randall Cobb. He's not really the guy they're looking for. But, I mean, I take Reggie Wayne over a guy like him there now and there's I feel like Reggie Wayne's got to at least get himself in the top 100 receivers I take Reggie Wayne over Hakeem Nix from the for Titans it looks like I think uh he kind of lands where Nate Washington does on this NFFC list he Mm -hmm. uh Nate Washington is actually 106 receiver I think uh they and actually I think that's low for Nate Washington I think they'll both um eke into the top 100 at some point Yep. Yeah, they'll both be on their way up, I believe. Yeah. Cause, Even though they're veteran presences, yeah. like they've been really consistent over the course of their careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Washington's been moving his way up that Titans depth chart. So, yeah. uh, definitely something. Oh, that... no, sorry. Uh, Texans depth chart. Texan... He, oh, he, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, he moved to the Texans. So he's, Team, he's like the main He's the main guy after uh, De- DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and that, that's why, yeah, it, like he, could, he could be a sleeper. Yeah, he could be a sleeper. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, well, don't forget about uh, Cecil Shorts there in Houston as well. He yeah, could yeah. possibly have something uh, going on there. But we're going to move on. Uh, got our veteran wide receiver talk in here. Uh, we're going to do some quick hitters uh, for the day here, just some quick commentary on uh, in and out of practice, in and out of ruled out, going to play in the preseason. So just a few here. Elshon Jeffrey, he's dealing with a calf injury, and Marquez Wilson is dealing with a hamstring injury. They both missed practice Tuesday. Is there anything to take note of here, Eric? Yeah, so uh, Coach John Fox said recently that when they clear Jeffrey medically, and we feel that's the smartest thing to do. Well, he'll be out there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any – it's not a guarantee, even though it's um, expected for him to play in week one, that he'll be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Marcus Wilson, I mean, all you have to take down there is, like you said, he missed practice Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just have to take a wait-and-see approach with the duo. Yeah, does, I just want to ask a question about Jeffrey compared to another receiver we talked about. Sure. Uh does the ADP have it right with Randall Cobb 9 and Elshon Jeffrey 10? If it's your pick in the draft, are you taking Cobb or Jeffrey? I'm biased, but Cobb. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think I'm the same way, but... I, I know, like, everybody's only slaying, saying a slight uptick for Randall Cobb. I think he can make a legitimate claim to be, like, number one wideout. 
Yeah, I, I, I think he can. I can. I think he can challenge Antonio Brown for the number one spot. Yeah, he he could very well see 130, 140 targets or more this year. Yeah, should catch over a hundred passes. I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. Of course, uh, all of that knock on wood here, given the health of Randall Cobb. Uh, speaking of the Packers, uh, just some depth bookkeeping kind of uh things to look here uh, alonzo harris looks to have passed rajon neal on the running back depth chart not really news there we know eddie lacy james starks will be uh pretty much locked in there with lacy being the workhorse uh heading over to buffalo sammy watkins he's dealing with that glute injury again no team drills in tuesday's practice jermaine gresham and your cardinals of course uh he's dealing with a back injury he's expected to return to action oh. wednesday the key with him is he's recovering from uh like back surgery i think it was oh, yep. a herniated disc mm-hmm. um that took place in march and that's the reason he's being eased into training camp he hasn't actually um played in the first two preseason games and he's only made brief appearances at practice okay and right. he but he is expected to practice wednesday all right well that's definitely heading in the right direction here uh just a little bit of a preview for later on uh Dolphins running back J.H.I. suffered a tweaked hamstring, uh, which actually happened last Thursday during practice, which kind of explained a a slightly confusing absence from Saturday's preseason game. There wasn't really much uh, known or why he didn't get a carry there. But it looks like a hamstring injury, not going to play around with a hamstring injury at all, and understandably so. So I guess moving, flashing forward, I guess, to today, uh, he was kind of working on the side on a stationary bike. He's a rookie, of course, and it might almost be getting too late to earn a role for week one if he doesn't get those practice reps in. And with that being said, would you say Damian Williams is the favorite to back up Lamar Miller? Is Um, he worth owning? I mean, he certainly made an impression on uh, Coach Joe Philbin uh, on Saturday. uh, He caught an 11-yard touchdown pass and also had four carries for 11 yards and a touchdown. So. yeah, I would say he's put himself in the running. Uh, when you look at his rookie season, he averaged 3.4 yards per carry, which is modest. But he also had 21 catches and a touchdown across uh, 16 games. So he might be able to you know, play a change of pace role next to Lamar Miller, at least to start the season, get a few uh, catches per game at, at the very least. Yeah, of course, Lamar Miller, the workhorse here. We've got him, Rotowire does, projected uh, 233 carries for over 1,000 yards, surpassing it by just 50 yards, 1,050, with seven touchdowns, 233 yards more the year, through the air with a uh, another touchdown added on to that. So, of course, he's, he's number one there. A lot of people had uh, the rookie Ajay, as a sleeper to potentially watch but I think that stock is starting to fall fast where even a sleeper value when you're looking at that point in the draft you can do a little bit better than that and for sure maybe Damian Williams is the answer yeah all right then just uh, a few more quick bookkeeping things Uh, Antoine Smith dealing with a hamstring injury he's likely to miss Saturday's preseason game uh in Miami I guess uh yeah Dolphins and uh uh, excuse me uh Falcons going to be squaring off in that game um Charles Clay from the Bills, left Tuesday's practice with a minor knee injury. We'll keep you posted on that. Haven't seen too much to suggest it's more serious at the yeah. time of recording. Um, Jordan Reed, no practice Tuesday. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, Devontae Parker, also no practice Tuesday. He's got a foot injury. And uh, rising fantasy value, uh, Devin Funches, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. He returned to practice Tuesday on a limited basis, so hopefully he'll be getting back in action soon. Indeed. Well, football season is just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. 
DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head on over to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry today. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Now, Eric, we're going to move along to the second part of our program. Uh, As we mentioned, just a preface here, last week we talked about NFC running back battles, either depth charts that are noteworthy, uh, starting jobs that are up for grabs, and Mm -hmm. we're going to move on over to the AFC this time, and we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills, where it's presumed that LaShawn McCoy, who is dealing with a hamstring injury, will be ready for week one. That's the uh, first line of our update, but if if you read a little further there, Rex Ryan had an interesting quote Friday. He said, when we last spoke, we really never knew the extent of it and what it was going to be and everything. We kind of assumed things, but were cautiously optimistic that he'll be ready for the opener. Barring any kind of setback, we think he'll be ready to roll. So, Eric, Rex Ryan sounds pretty sure Shady's going to be in there week one, right? Yeah, um, especially (laughs) with all these uh, qualifiers that he's going to play. Like, Come on. there's this is one classic, of, just covering your butt, man. Well, yeah, I mean, if, of course they want to, they want to be, you know, cloudy with any injury concern. They want like whoever they're mm-hmm. going to be playing during the regular season to be preparing for Lashawn McCoy to be out there. So you got to kind of be like, oh yeah, he may play, or we expect him to play. But mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't seem like this is a great situation. Um, NFL Live was on Tuesday afternoon, and I, I was actually just, you know, I heard this out of the side of my head. Um, the TV was behind me, but uh, Stefania Bell was talking about the LaShawn McCoy injury, mm-hmm. and she said that it was, I, and I quote here, I'm pretty sure this is almost the exact quote, high up on his leg, uh, and she went on to intimate that those are more worrisome injuries than your garden ver- garden variety strain. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm taking, or I'm considering that McCoy might be out in week one and maybe even a little more than that. I mean, they, they should really take the, a wait-and-see approach with their you know, star running back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always why you have to kind of read deeper into some of these stories, which is uh, why it's great to have Roto-Wire access there because based on this and the slew of injuries right behind LaShawn McCoy, who I think you're perfectly right, I think his status is more than questionable for week one, and I'm going to need something to to really, I don't know, show me that, that it's, that it's going to happen. And, of course, if official injury report's not due for a while yet, so – Teams are going to be secretive, but uh, yeah, I guess moving down the list there, when you look at uh, depth charts, uh, week one, now maybe this information won't help a ton in your season-long format, because I'd still expect Shady to play about 14 games or so. At least, yeah. yeah, At at, at the very least, um, of course, barring anything unforeseen, but it may not help your season-long rankings, but what if you're setting a DraftKings lineup for week one? I mean, there's a lot of other running backs that just aren't getting reps right now, and I want to run down the list. Anthony Dixon, calf injury, Bryce Brown, hamstring injury, Carlos Williams, an undisclosed injury. And who does that leave? We've got Fred Jackson returning to practice recently. He's pretty much the Bills' clear number one at the moment because if LaShawn McCoy is in doubt for week one. He's obviously not going to practice or play in any more preseason games. So that leaves Fred Jackson to carry the load here. And 
there are a couple factors, I think, working against McCoy here. Not only is it the injury, but also just the depth of options that they have here. Uh, based on this information, the uncertainty, all the qualifiers, and the depth, and just the fact that Fred Jackson's done it before in Buffalo, sure. is that damaging your outlook on, on LaShawn McCoy overall right now? Um, yeah, uh, at least for like the at least for the season opener, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And if you know, say Bryce Brown gets a little healthier and comes back, um, yeah, I could definitely see. Yeah, since Bryce Brown's only dealing with a minor hamstring injury, I would say if both he and Fred Jackson are completely healthy, no injury concern in Week One, they'll probably hold. I mean, I don't want to say that they'll probably. Uh, make LaShawn McCoy inactive they might still have him active but just not play him at all yeah you might as well make him questionable with an active yeah. status uh pull that I'm sure Rex Ryan has uh no no moral qualms about maybe fudging the injury report a little bit right. or not being completely truthful but but yeah like I think um like just the amount of depth that they have at the position and the fact that this injury might actually be more more serious than the bills are letting on mm-hmm. it, it, they're all kind of snowballing and saying like hey mccoy not might not play in week one yeah right now LaShawn mccoy at the very back end of the top 10 number nine overall in terms of adp and this is in a ppr format remember 20 overall in adp number nine running back here uh just ahead of jeremy hill i'd probably flip-flop those i think at this point i'd like to take either demarco murray cj anderson and jeremy hill over McCoy I might draw the line when we when we get down to uh Justin Forsett Melvin Gordon Frank Gore I think I might I'd still take McCoy for For 14 or 15 games even if that's the case yeah okay so that pretty much covers the bills there uh Fred Jackson might be just in summary Fred Jackson might be a decent value play on DraftKings week one after that it's almost too tough to imagine how the carries are going to be splitting up to you know, make a definitive statement on some a waiver wire claim or a daily claim. But in the interest of time, we're going to move on over to the Baltimore Ravens, who have quite an interesting backfield situation. The presumed number two back, Lorenzo Taliaferro, he's dealing with an um, MCL injury that is expected to sideline him for, quote, a few weeks. And that makes things interesting after that, because Justin Forsett He's the starter there. People have pretty much accepted that at this point. His ADP says so. He's number 12 overall, and his Arian Foster continues to fall. Uh, I'd imagine he'll surpass them and maybe even have an outside chance at getting the top 10. But here's what I worry about with Justin Forsett, Eric. He's going to turn 30 years old on October 15th, and that's, of course, a very worrisome age for running backs, especially uh, out of all positions there. Uh, I mean, do you share my worries? Are you a little bit worried about him? And are you worried enough to start looking at his backups as fantasy options? I I guess for me, there's only a twinge of worry. And it's more so because like Fred Jackson, he has a very slight workload so far in his career. Across six seasons, he's had 582 carries and 159 receptions in 89 games. So that would lead me to believe that he's going to be in a good place physically, no matter the fact that he's turning 30 in October, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do really like, though, his, uh, or at least the now number two guy in the depth chart, Javorius Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has 17 carries for 54 yards and two catches for 25 yards so far in the preseason. But in college, he was actually a legitimate pass catcher, catching 22 and 41 balls the last two years at over 11 yards per catch Mm -hmm. um 
And that actually probably works pretty well working in a Mark Trussman run offense. He does like to use his running backs a lot in the passing game. And knowing the fact that they only have Steve Smith and an injured Brashad Perryman right now in the passing game, and maybe, I guess, rookie Max Williams as well, they might actually use their running backs more often Mm -hmm. as passing threats, and that could you know, trickle down to rookie Javorius Allen. Of course, maybe not in character, but in skill set, Allen could reflect what Ray Rice used to provide him sure. uh, very well. And of course, Allen, a fourth round pick out of USC Trojans there. Uh, I'm actually pretty optimistic about him as well. The Italia Faro injury only moves him up a little bit more on my draft boards. I like, it does worry me a little bit uh, with Mark Tressman wanting to use a one back show potentially limiting the uh now we don't know for sure that that's just how he did it in Chicago but that might potentially limit the effectiveness of some of the other options there but in I know Clay and I like to talk about this on our podcast where you do the punt running back strategy and go receiver receiver right away and then with your last five or six picks take all sleeper running backs and I'm going to absolutely try to include Allen in in that sleeper list at the very end because a few cards have to fall in his favor and a few things have to go right. Of course, it's dependent on force set and a little bit on how Tressman runs that office offense, but he's gaining steam for me as a sleeper in Baltimore. Yeah, so the breakdown of carries among running backs last year, and this this is this is just before Tressman arrives, of course, since he was coaching the Bears last year. Mm-hmm. But starter like Forsett was a starter last year for most of the season. He had two hundred and thirty five carries and forty four catches whereas the remaining running backs in total had 167 carries and 13 catches. So I, I think Forsett was the only legitimate pass-catching threat last year, whereas now they do have Allen. I think that that does help his prospects a little bit. And the fact, I mean, that he's now number two with Talia Farrow's injury, yeah, like mm-hmm. you might as well, if you do the at least punt running back strategy, I mean, he's a great guy to pick up you know your last few picks yep and you can't help but compare a little bit I think under Tressman you have to try to compare Forsett to Matt Forte now last year Forte led the Bears with 266 carries on the ground the next closest was quarterback Jay Cutler followed by Kadeem Carey with 36 carries Cutler had 39 and I mean at the same time there you look at uh, Forte ended up actually third on the entire team in targets, Brandon Marshall, of course, suffered that injury, only had 105 targets. Um, I'm sorry, I meant second on the entire team. Jeffrey, Elshon Jeffrey, had 145 targets, and Forte, 130 targets, hauled in 102 of those passes there. So I'm not saying the setup will be exactly the same, but I'm just trying to get into the mindset of uh, the offensive coordinator there to see if Forsett could be used that. And I don't know if Forsett will be able to hold up to that wear and tear, which is another case, at least in my book, for Javorius Allen. Yeah, so right now Justin Forsett among running backs is ringing in at number 12. So that's actually about where I would you know, put him anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just mentioned in comparison to like LaShawn McCoy, if McCoy is going to miss one or two games, then you'd probably like mm-hmm. kind of switch places, yep. you know, I mean, for, bump four set up a few and yeah. drop down McCoy. Yeah, I mean, but to say the least, I think we, we we can both say as long as he avoids injury and his mm-hmm. age doesn't catch up to him. Yeah. And under Mark Trestman, he's a freaking awesome mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, I mean, if, if Baltimore had a 24-year-old back that 
tore up at the combine a few years back and is entering a second or third season in the league, I could make a case for a top five running back. For yeah. set, 12 through 15 range, I think, is just right for him. Right. All right. Well, fantasy football fans, if you're out for the evening, maybe for your draft or for another get-together, uh, but if you're out for the evening and you've been drinking, please get a ride, call a cab, or find some other safe way home because getting arrested for drunk driving can cost you a lot more than an arrest and a fine. You could face legal fees, court costs, the loss of your license, and more. Right now, cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving, and you can bet they'll see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. And with that, it's time for our safe sleeper pick, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. A handful of us will be uh, putting some beers back at Fantasy Drafts. We're just getting into the peak of that season. And, of course, that sometimes leads to the bad decisions in later rounds of the draft. But, of course, the worst decision is getting behind the wheel after drinking alcohol. But with that, uh, today's safe sleep sleeper pick uh, kind of leads us into our next uh, tra- uh segment we're continuing AFC running back uh, depth chart battles there and we're going to head to Denver and uh, I guess Eric who do we got for the safe sleeper pick this week yeah it's uh, Ronnie Hillman and that's more on the backs of his so far performance in the preseason than anything he's had eight carries for 66 and eight carries for 54 yards through two preseason games which actually leads in total um, all all lead are all running backs so far um, actually all rushers He's leading in rushing so far in the preseason with 120 yards, mm-hmm. which is you know you know okay to say, but it is these are games that don't count. On the other hand, seven and a half yards per carry is pretty dang impressive. Yep, and of course, uh, most fantasy football fans are aware of the name C.J. Anderson, pr- top ten running back, really a top six, seven, eight running back on a lot of people's draft yeah. boards this year. Uh, even a first round pick in most formats, especially those ones that are running back heavy. But C.J. Anderson's number one. And it's always been assumed up until recently that Monte Ball uh, has been the number two spot, but apparently Hillman's taken him over for the number two spot on the depth chart. And now Monte Ball being pushed by Juwan Thompson for the third string job. So beyond possibly the days of fantasy relevance being over or done with for Monte Ball, Hillman's on his way up and he's all of a sudden become a a very valuable C.J. Anderson handcuff. And I'm really glad that we talked about the Javoris Allen, Justin Forsett, because it's almost a parallel of, of this type of situation there where if you are doing that no running back strategy and are stacking those receivers early, Hillman's a guy that could get on your list. And I mean, the performance last year, he filled in a little bit. I thought Hillman was an excellent daily option if you picked the right weeks there, but only played in eight games, carried the ball 106 times for 434 yards, three touchdowns, 4.1 average. That's the best of his career. By the way, uh, Hillman just 23 this year, and that average has gone up every single season he's been in the league. Also caught 21 passes of his 34 targets for 139 yards and a touchdown. So Hillman is young. There's upside there. Of course, he has to work around C.J. Anderson, so it's no given, but very much a valid uh, choice for the uh, safe sleeper pick today. Um, Of course, we're coming from Badger country, and does this news mean the days of fantasy relevance for Monty Ball are over, or does he still serve as a a deep sleeper in the late late rounds? I mean, he's not helping himself with his performance so far in the preseason. Uh, Combined, he has 12 carries for 30 yards. You mentioned Jawan Thompson, who's challenging him for now the third string gig. He has 13 carries for 44 yards, only slightly better, but at least he's uh, faring well. Um, I don't see anything in Monty Ball's immediate future to say like Mm -hmm. 
or just in his immediate past to say his future is going to be bright, yeah. at least fantasy-wise or mm-hmm. in reality. I mean, Ball, a Heisman Trophy finalist, and you hate to say it, but a lot of us Badger fans saw the career of Ron Dane fizzle out very fast in the National Football League. Completely different kind of backs. I'm just looking at maybe the pattern a little bit. I don't For know sure. to draw a parallel there, of course. Uh, yeah, different people, different backs. But, yeah, I mean, Monty Ball hurt a lot of people in fantasy drafts in recent years, and uh, I don't think he's going to help anyone anytime soon. I mean, as Badger fans, we didn't see – um, any injury concerns at all for Monte Ball and his coll- collegiate career. So durable, So yeah. um, it's almost like the wear and tear of being used so much. Um, he was the all-time touchdown leader, too, in NCAA history. And, you know, a lot of those came within, like, d- um, sight of the goal line, too. So maybe just, like, all this wear and tear from his college days is catching up to him, and he yep. just can't be that effective that could be back it. anymore. Of course, uh, you know, I met the guy, pretty nice guy. Um, wish him the best, for yeah. sure. Oh, but, if, oh yeah, of yeah, course. No, nonetheless, but, you know, we got to speak logically here on a fantasy football podcast, I mean, and when you're trying to draft the best team possible, there probably isn't a spot for him on Yeah, it's like he's not even – he's on my exclude list in pretty much every format. It'd have to mm-hmm. be, like, I'm drafting practically every player at that point, and I have yeah. him – I have all the other Dever Rundy backs, so I'm mm-hmm. handcuffing them. Yeah, you know, in our, our 24 team – um 20 player roster league there may be a spot but yeah, yeah no that doesn't actually a exist, sentimental guys. spot uh, a <laughs> sentimental spot if anything because what else are you doing at that spot yeah. but uh the last uh, running back situation we want to talk about today is the cleveland browns and i know we've discussed this hinted at this in the past a little bit isaiah crowell still the number one guy in cleveland but it's really by default and these aren't exactly head coach mike patton's words but it's almost what he's insinuated. Eric, do you really want to draft somebody who wins the job that way, or are you waiting to gather more information, or are we just avoiding this uh, type of situation altogether? Yeah, avoid. Avoid? Just avoid the situation. Um, If, say, two of the guys get injured, and you know they're going to be out in a given week, and they're going to ride, say, Isaiah Crowell, Mm -hmm. then that'll be a good week to use him in daily fantasy. Yep. But all these other guys, I mean, you, you probably don't want to waste a roster spot in a 12-team league on any mm-hmm. of these guys. Yeah, I don't know uh, if there are any listeners out there like me who owned both Crowell and West in the same league last year. Give me a shout-out on Twitter, at jakeski 52 I'm raising my hand I, I know. Yep, Eric here, once again, at <laughs> ETCAT30. He's raising his hand. He did the same thing. I mean, I, I only did it, though through like week five and at that point i was like these guys aren't worth it someone's to keep on around. the chopping I, block and i i can pick up like trey mason right now who ended up ending oh, yeah. the season great so go for it i mean yeah. and yeah good thing through week five because even early on they had ben tate in that mess of a mix too yeah and i like terrence west as a sleeper last year but he's quickly losing favor in cleveland and hasn't done too much to help his case since last year uh has fumbled the ball put the ball on the ground a couple times but uh it seems to be a little bit character related as well from the from the this is at least the inclination I get from some of the Cleveland media and he was even inactive for a game last year and he hasn't really ran away with the job he did get the most carries in Thursday's preseason game and pretty much had uh, out of any of these backs in contention uh, the best yards for carry West carried the ball 11 times for 42 yards where Crowell just five times for 14 yards and you can't talk about Cleveland running backs without Mentioning the rookie out of Miami, Duke Johnson, who is starting or has been gaining a lot of traction as a sleeper early in the year just because they used a relatively early draft pick on him and there's not too much competition ahead of him. But he's 
been hampered due to a hamstring injury pretty much the entirety of camp. Uh, and we, I just saw from the Cleveland Plain Dealer recently that he's going to be gradually eased into the offense. So that's not seeing those words makes me not want to draft that player on draft day. Now, now, Eric, is he anything better than a late season PPR waiver wire pickup? Maybe we can mention him down the road or do you, can you still draft him in the later rounds based on that upside? You cannot draft him in the later rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's just, it'll be a guy that you put on your watch list and as you know, the guys in front of him, Terrence West, uh, Isaiah Crawl, either fall off due to injury or mm-hmm. lack of performance, could be performance. or otherwise. Uh, that at that point, then you'd kind of maybe put in a nice waiver priority on him in a given week. Yep. But really, you can't, you know, draft him in the next few weeks going into the regular season. I could envision a scenario. Now, this is just kind of me going out on sure. a limb here, but I could envision a scenario where Crowell averages less than three yards a carry the first two or three weeks, and West kind of gets on Coach Patton's bad side again somehow. And I don't think they're going to turn to Glenn Winston or Sean Drone. I don't know. Sean Drone might be even be on the bubble for making the team there. Of course, a name from years past. But in that type of situation where Crowell underperforms and, and West continues to be plagued by some of the issues that have bothered him since his entire career in Cleveland, basically, then maybe there's a chance where we're mentioning Duke Johnson as a top waiver wire option. And of course, we lean towards him in, in, in those PPR formats because uh, we've seen his prowess at, at the University of Miami at the U to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Right. So there's positive ideas. I guess there's situations where you might want to consider it, uh, but probably not uh, in your standard 12-team formats. He's something we'll be seeing down the road. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Remember to use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, please check out Rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash pod. Thanks again for listening today. I am Jake Letarski again. You can find me on Twitter at jakeski 52 And this is Eric Katuri, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCAT30. All right. Well, Nick and Mike will be back with you on Wednesday.